With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading today's show. A little bit different, this one than what you've been hearing all this week as we've been building up towards AJ versus Klitschko at Wembley Arena in the world of boxing. It's Thursday, so therefore traditionally we get stuck into the world of UFC. We've got a lot to talk about, especially UFC Nashville. Oh my days, what a show. However, coming up on today's show, Nick spoils the ultimate fighter for me. I haven't seen it yet. So he decided to give away the plot line. But Garbrandt just kind of get vexed at one point and just fucking, I'm just going to fucking choke you. It's like, it's like Homer choking Bart on an episode of The Simpsons at one point. Despite that big fight in the world of boxing at Wembley this weekend, we still know who the pound for pound king is when it comes to pay-per-views. Either one, whatever, whatever Conor McGregor does this year will be the biggest pay-per-view event in fight sports, potentially all sports. And of course, a Fight Disciples show wouldn't be complete without some double standards when it comes to drug cheats. I don't know, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite now because we've jumped all over Vita Belfort on this show for being a cheating bastard. <laughs> so to now kind of give Frank a pass is, is a little bit naughty. But you know what, I like the guy, so he gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome to episode 96 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading. We're having a little bit of a break uh, from AJ versus Klitschko. All this week, we have been bringing you exclusive free podcasts catering for the super fight that's happening at Wembley Arena on Saturday evening, of which we will be in attendance for. Uh, But today, with it traditionally being our UFC day, we thought we'd have a little bit of a break. We're coming back tomorrow with another show for you, don't worry. Uh, But today, I thought we would touch upon UFC Nashville uh, from the weekend, mainly because it was one hell of a flipping show. Um, if you have only just stumbled across us and you're into your boxing as well as your UFC, get yourself on our website, fightdisciples.com. There's loads of stuff up there uh, for, for catering for this week as we build up towards AJ's Klitschko's uh, huge heavyweight title clash at Wembley. We're also on social media, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, how are you, Tan Boy? You good? I'm good, mate. Yeah, very good. I'm uh, I'm pumped for this week. You know, it's it's kind of weird that we're. I feel like we're getting sidetracked slightly in doing our UFC wrap up show, but I know mm. obviously there's, there's there was tons of talk about Nashville was an awesome, absolutely awesome fight well, card. But I've got to be honest, it's hard to switch my mind off AJ Klitschko. No, absolutely, and it, it's it's been quite hard for the last ten days, I'd say, because building into last weekend. We obviously had Berto um, and the Porter fight to talk about in the world of boxing. We had all the stuff that was going on in Liverpool to talk about the world of boxing. So we might even have brushed over a little bit of the UFC Nashville because that card itself, it had so many potentially fantastic fights that maybe we just dumbed it down because we were, and obviously building up towards AJ Klitschko, we were a little bit sidetracked by a few things. We've said this on previous occasions. We've we've gone crazy on the pay-per-view events for UFC this year and some of them haven't lived up to the expectation. The ones, the fight night cards, the ones that go under the radar, 
They've really exceeded expectation when we went to Brazil. Sensational stuff. London was absolutely brilliant. And Nashville again at the weekend, man. There's so many awesome things to talk about. And I just want to, before we talk about the main one with Cubby, because I know you're a big fan of his and you'll probably want to spend half an hour wanking him off, right? Before we talk about him, I've got to talk about Al Quinta, mate. Mainly because you brought it... (laughs) You brought him up um, at the back end of last year when he refused to be on the uh, New York card, yeah? yeah? And I know you're a big fan of his. He's got boatloads of talent, and I agree with you on that. And the performance at the weekend, sensational. Against Sanchez, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But it's everything that happened after that that we're probably going to talk about now because he's gone in big time on the UFC, hasn't he? All because he was pissed off that he wasn't involved in the performance in the night bonus. Exactly, yeah, and that's... Um it's strange because it's hard to know what's going this guy's just kind of gone way off the rails and I don't know whether it means that it, it kind of points to the fact that the UFC just aren't paying the guys the kind of money um, that they should be paying them you know mm. still even now even though after being sold for four billion dollars it seems like they're still not getting the kind of money you know obviously I, I like Aya Quinta to come out and say what he has to personally attack Dana White to personally attack the UFC once again after pulling out of fighting in New York mm. to then have a go at them here about obviously I think the main brunt of his thing was the fact that he wasn't he wasn't given a, a fight a performance at the night bonus yeah. you know we had that sensational knockout of Sanchez in defence of the UFC before I agree with um, Ali Quinta in defence of them there were so many good performances at Nashville yeah anybody could have got it to be fair yeah it's um, obviously they give it to two submissions which is kind of unusual obviously yeah. the OSP submission was, was awesome but that was overlooked as well um, and they, sorry they've given it to you know a finish and a submission but the um I, I, I think I think is right in some way. I think he has been kind of you know vilified here, and that's because of the way he was, the way he spoke after New York and yeah. the way he spoke in the build-up to this one. And he's done himself no favors again, of course, by again going on a bit of a tirade and attacking them. But he has got kind of a point, and clearly he's he's making enough money in his real estate career that he's quite willing to throw his, his fight career away, basically, because you know. What he's kind of saying is, you've got to train for 10 weeks, you've got to focus, you've got to sacrifice all these things in life to be a professional fighter, and yet you're not making enough money to make a living, i.e. he's got to go and work in real estate. So I think he was upset by the fact that the UFC is still kind of getting away with it in his eyes. What he was saying is, I think he was also upset, wasn't he, because Dana White come away and he, he was asked uh, what was the best thing about a show, a, a show from the other week it was, and um, he said the flight home. Um <laughs> And I think Iaquinta responded to that and was like, how dare you say that about fighters who are working so hard, that are sacrificing and are fighting for you for buttons and yet you're you're then responding by going, oh yeah, that card was crap, like completely disregarding it. So, it, listen, th- this can only end one way and it doesn't end well for Al Iaquinta, unfortunately. You know, I haven't seen many fighters rush behind him to support him and to back him up, even though probably privately away from the glare and eye, he's probably getting so many fighters saying thank you, thank you for speaking up for us. The fact that no one is backing him publicly uh, speaks volumes, really, and Iaquint is probably right in what his assessment where he said most fighters are just too scared to say anything because they're not, we're not getting looked, looked after, we're not getting the, the money we deserve, and um, it, it seems like a big performance like that, you know, he's ranked in the top 10 now in the lightweight division, yet is he ever going to fight in the UFC again? I don't know. 
other fighters probably aren't in his um, financial bracket, are they? Like you said, he is in real estate and he makes a boatload of cash out there. And he's been on record before going into that uh, New York thing. The reason why he didn't fight was because there's no point. I make more money elsewhere. Why would I risk my health and all that type of stuff when I make my uh, with my money with my other business? Other fighters won't have that. Other fight. This is their life. So yeah. if you're going to speak up against your employer, it's like me, yeah. There's, some, there's many things in the world of radio, and I'm sure you in the world of print, there's many things that you disagree with, but you bite your lip, you, you keep your gob shut, because it's a volatile industry. There's always somebody else wanting to do your job, so therefore, yeah. if you speak up against a, a bad decision that your boss has made, and you're very vocal about it, in order to actually cause a little bit of a stir in your office, you become then a little bit of a troublemaker, I suppose, in your workplace, and you're going to get fired, you're going to get kicked out. You're out of work, and then you've got mortgages to pay, you've got kids to feed, and all that type of stuff, so you keep your gob shut. This guy's obviously not in that situation. He can speak up or he feels yeah. confident enough to be able to speak up and say what he genuinely believes. I agree with you. Other fighters will agree with him, but nobody else is going to say it. Nobody's no. going to do it because they're going to risk their livelihood. But what a performance as well. You know, what a, Against the top fighter, Diego Sanchez you, is a great fighter. If you're going to do it, that's how you do it. You know, if you're gonna, if you, it's funny how you think. Maybe Ayacuenta went into this fight with an agenda after not after publicly not saying I'm not fighting in New York because the money's crap, to then fighting in Nashville, Tennessee on a fight night card rather than a pay per view. The money couldn't have been any better, surely. Mm. I just wonder whether he's gone in this with a motive and thought, you know what, I'm co-main. I'm going to do a number on Diego Sanchez, and then I'm going to let the world know exactly how I feel. You know, and I'm really going to put this thing in the spotlight even more. But uh, as I say, you know, I'd be surprised if we see him on a on a UFC card again <laughs> anytime soon. Shame because he's a very talented lad. Very Quality, talented lad absolutely indeed. brilliant. You know, one of the literally got literally got, in my opinion, probably the best hands in the lightweight division. You mm. know, uh, I, you know, obviously people will be, people be calling for Conor McGregor now, obviously fighting fighting Mayweather and whatever else. But Ia Quinter's boxing is absolutely sensational. I think Ia Quinter in a boxing match with Conor would be absolutely fascinating because I really rate this guy's hands highly. Talk to me about the main event then. Cub Swanson, Artem Lobov. Last week we were both said, listen, the guy's going to get absolutely smashed to bits. This is Lobov, of course. You mentioned Connor. He's a mate of Connor's and he's probably yeah. got this shot because he is a mate of Connor's. Let's not pull any punches. That's what we legitimately feel. Cubby Swanson, I'll tell you something, what an unbelievable turnaround he's been on after his back-to-back losses against Edgar and Holloway. Yeah. Four on the spin now. Great fight. I thought Lobov was in it. I thought, he, you know, he, yeah, okay. And the end of the day, I agree with the decision, you know. Cubby yeah. Swanson won the fight and he won it brilliantly. But I thought that he would he would finish Lobov. I genuinely thought that he would. It didn't come because Lobov's a tough old customer. Yeah, he's tough. But, you know, this is a guy that has <clears throat> shared countless rounds with Conor McGregor. So he can, we knew he, he would be able to take a shot. But as we predicted last week, we also knew that he was 100% completely out of his depth against Cub Swanson, the guy that is legitimately in the top five or here six. He goes, here he goes, here he goes, here he goes now talking about his mate. Go on. Cubby's, Cubby's got everything, you know, and I think the fact that Cubby lost a couple of fights and everyone was kind of like jumping on, oh yeah, well, you know, he's, he's finished now and this and that. Listen, there's absolutely no shame whatsoever in losing to Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. No shame at all. Literally, two of the best guys in this weight class mm-hmm. as well. You know, let's let's remind us that prior to that, he had wins over Ross Pearson, Dustin Poirier, Dennis Seaver, Jeremy Stevens, all guys that, to be honest, they're better than Artem Lobov anyway. So heading into this fight, I had no hesitation whatsoever. Big risk for him. Swanson. Would you not say a big risk for him because yeah, he's, he's he's like what a top five and Lobov's what not even top twenty. That's a big risk, man. You get, I mean, if you get it, caught it with a bad a one, there. yeah, of course, it's it's definitely a risk. But then you know. 
for me, it was kind of like a reward fight because he had an absolute war with yeah. Yu Choi, who was, you know, everyone's tip as being the, the rising superstar in this weight division and was going to do all kinds of things. And he called out Cubby and Cubby took that fight. And it was an absolute war of attrition, one of the fights of the year last year, categorically. Mm. For me, this fight with Lobov was kind of like a little payback for Cubby as if to go like, all right, you've come through a war, you've made your point, you've got yourself back on track as a genuine contender. Tell you what, let's let's bang you in a little fight night where you can enjoy yourself. And for me, he did enjoy himself. You know, I think he uh, he schooled Lobov. Obviously, Lobov proved himself to be tough and durable and everything else that no fighter really wants to be described. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you know, we're, we're going You're describing back to a punch thing. bag. You're going back to that thing we we described to your mate a blind date and say she's bubbly. You know, we know what it means. We know what it means. You get to describe a fighter as brave and tough. It means he's just got the shit kicked out of him for five rounds. And that's exactly what happened at the weekend. You know, Lobov got this opportunity because of who his friends are rather than the fact that he deserved it. You know, a guy with a two and two record in the UFC and the two wins, by the way, are against guys that, you know, really aren't on radar. Shouldn't really be headlining a fight night card, in my opinion. But he got it on the strength of the fact that Cubby Swanson is a headliner on a fight night card and deserved this opportunity. And he deserved the fact that he got Artem Lobov to punch around for five rounds. Mm. And, uh, you know, upwards and onwards. I just think Cubby now has obviously got to, got to go back to fighting somebody in the top ten. Got to go back to fighting someone in the top five. Go on, name in- someone. Name someone. Who do you want him in with? Korean Zombie? I would absolutely love to see that fight. Yeah, that would be absolutely sensational if we yeah, could. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Actually, I'm just trying to trying to have a little think now. It would be a good fight. I agree for with him. you. I think now that now that he's on this little bit of a tour, four on the spin, it's got to be a big boy because you, you would anticipate that the next fight for him will kind of be an eliminator. Come through it, yeah. you get a title shot. You'd like to think so, yeah. Of course, mm. you know he's uh, Korean Zombie's the boy, isn't he? I think I personally think that that's together. the fight. If you if, if you can get that fight, let's do that fight. I think Korean Zombie is the one. That's the one that I would personally pick uh, for Cub Swanson next. You come through that, you win that, then you get a shot at the title. That's where I would go. Yeah, certainly, Cubby Swanson is um, is certainly not a million miles away from a title shot himself. Um, even though he's 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 fresh back from being out for so long, but because he's such a superstar and because he had that incredible performance when he did come back. Um, yeah, I think that would be an absolutely brilliant fight to see down a featherweight. Obviously, we've got Holloway versus Aldo coming up for the title. Um, Edgar obviously has got that win over him anyway. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I'll, I'll, I'll buy into that. Chan Sung Young against the would be a brilliant fight for Cub Swanson. That's a that's a. Definitely either a, a, a pay-per-view main card fight or even another fight night headliner for sure. We've only spoke about two fights from USC Nashville and i tell you something, we've got so many to get through because as we go down the card, there were so many awesome performances. You mentioned um, OSP in the performance of the night, yeah? yeah? This was do or die. We mentioned it on last week's show, yeah? OSP has been on a bit of a slide. Um, we saw him personally in Manchester get absolutely knocked the F out by uh, Jimmy Manoa. This was massive for him. This this is a fight that you have to win, otherwise the the people the Grim Reapers come in, isn't it? To cut yeah. you from the USC. Well, he would, he'd have been zero for four, so he'd have gone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one fantastic performance, fantastic way of winning the fight, and then two yeah. unbelievable speech at the end, giving it the old Cuba Gooding Junior. You know what I mean, Dana? Yeah. You're the man with my Quan. Bring me, show me the money. I love it. That's yeah. what it is. He's looking for that contract, man. Um, I don't know whether you can earn that off. One victory One like win. that. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> maybe you've got to put maybe a couple together before you can start shouting that. But what a wonderful way 
to win with that beautiful Von Fluchok. Superb. Yeah, it is. And we don't see many of them for a reason because they're, they're difficult to put on. You know, he's actually, believe it or not, OSP is actually a bit of a Von Fluchok specialist. I think he's had a couple in the UFC now. I think he beat uh, Nikita Krylov with one of those a couple of years ago as well. So, And anyone that trains with him apparently says that he's a, that's, what, that's his specialist thing in the gym. You know, he's just a master at that. Von Fluchok, even though he hasn't, I don't think he's a very decorated uh, jiu-jitsu fighter. No. I don't think he's specifically got a high belt ranking. But uh, for some reason, that's his like go-to submission. That's his, uh, that's the one that he pulls off so well. And it's a strange one, the Von Fluchok, because you, you're struggling to see it actually happening live. You know, when you're watching it live, you're thinking, at first I was just kind of like, what's, what's going on here? You know, they just kind of locked... I couldn't see the, the submission, and then as soon as he tapped, I was thinking, "No fucking way! That is such an unusual submission." Yeah, yeah. That's why we don't see a lot of them, you know. This, it's such a specific thing, but uh, but yeah, that was a great finish, and you know, it's a it's a lifeline for OSP now. It's you know, it's put them right back. I was just saying the mixer in it that gives light him breathing division, space. but it gives him yeah, it does. Space, of course, it? it does. Yeah, the pressure's off him now. The pressure's off, and don't forget, you know. Two of those three defeats that he had were against guys that are, you know are very highly ranked in this weight class. So um, it was more the defeat last time out that was a threat to him. And I think he loses here, then he's losing to two guys well outside mm. the top fifteen. So he'd have struggled, but uh, but yeah, you know what? All credit to him when the, when the pressure was on, he pulled it out, and that's the main thing. Speaking of guys that we saw, we saw live in Manchester, and this one didn't go our way because he was fighting our boy Danny Roberts, but he put in a sensational performance. I mean, he's on a bit of a tour when it comes to knockouts. Straight yeah. victories, just constant straight victories, knocking guys out for fun. Mike Platinum Perry. Wow, yeah. mate. This guy is real. That, that hellblow, elbow, call it whatever you will, yeah. was unreal. It was, it was absolutely shocking, you know, and um, unfortunately, you know, we kind of predicted it on last week's show, we said that Ellenberg is a, a little bit shot shy now and probably taking one too many punches, and it proved that way at the weekend, I think, he, he's just, it seems like he's moved on a lot now, Mike Perry, because, you know, he had that incredible 9-0 run, which included being, you know, the awesome, um, if not, you know, a little bit gruesome, uh, war that he had with Danny Roberts yep. when he stopped Danny in the, fi- in the final fight. minutes of the third round. The two of them were absolutely sensational that night. But it was a fight that took a couple of years off both of them because they were taking massive shots. And then he, he rolled straight into a fight against uh, Alan Juban uh, yeah. in December. And Alan Juban did what you're supposed to do against a big puncher. He, you know, he, he used his footwork, he used mm. his ground skills, and he kind of outfoxed, uh, he outfoxed them. And uh, Mike Perry was trying to rush a lot in that fight, was desperate to get the knockout, like, you know, he was against the clock kind of thing, and it completely worked against him. I thought against Ellenberg at the weekend, we've seen a kind of different dynamic for him. He seemed to be a little bit cooler. He wasn't getting... He didn't kind of panic when, for me, Ellenberg edged the opening round. Yeah, he did. You know, he, he didn't panic at all. He, he kept us cool, because I think he knew in his heart of hearts, when I catch Jake yeah, Ellenberg... People have chinned him before, he's gone before, and he'll go again. And when he had Nobody's chinned him like that, him, man. Nobody's chinned no, anybody no. like that. That were unbelievable. Well, if you, you know, Jake Ellenberger, man, he, he's, he's had an incredible career. You know, he's been in and around the, the, the top of the, uh, you know, the, the, the rankings at weight class for a long time. And, he, you know, he's previously lost to really good guys, you know, Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler, Stephen Thompson, you know, guys highly ranked yeah. in this welterweight division. But, you know, unfortunately, when you look at his record, he's three, seven and two now for his last, you know, his last uh, nine fights in the UFC. You know, at, at some stage, someone's going to have to pull Jake Ellenberger to one side and just ask him, 
you know, what his long-term goals are because he's not just losing fights, but he's getting knocked out. Don't forget Masvidal knocked him out quite brutally in the first round as well. Mm. And his last time out, never mind this this hell blow. And, you know, talk about taking years off fighters. You know, that, that, that elbow, that short little mm. choppy left elbow on the inside that he was out cold, his arms were... Well, he folded him head. up. He folded him like he a deck chairman. Completely and utterly out cold, mm. and uh, you've got a fear for people's health when those kind of knockouts come in. But Mike Perry is no joke, man. It just look. It makes Alan Juban's performance look even better. Mm. But I thought it was cool afterwards when he was like, you know, who do you want next? And he was like, I want the guy who's just beat Alan Juban, meaning Gunny Nelson. He was basically calling out Gunny Nelson. So. Man, bring it on! You know, bring that. I think I Gunny said, obviously I said now week. deserves a, a fight above him, but yeah. You know, I just want to see Mike Perry fight all the time because the guy's he's a, he's a finisher, and that's what. We and love. he's a gobshite, as I said last week. I know that <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we've we've got a problem with him because he beat Danny, but yeah. and he's a mate of ours. He's Dan, but at the end of the day, I like him. He talks the talk, he walks the walk. That he, yeah. he he delivers. He's a character. He's a character. Yeah, man, and that's, he what, delivers. that's what the sport needs. You know, that's what fight sports needs, and that's how you make money in fight sports as well. You let your character run free, and mm. this guy's got bags of it. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think I tweeted the video of him of that little hell blow. If it's on our Twitter feed at Fight Disciples, go and have a bit of a nosy of it if you've not seen it. And if you haven't seen it, and you've got a BT Sports subscription here in the UK, just watch that fight. It's unbelievable that knockout. It's it's, it's sensational to watch. Then big win for Stevie Ray. Wow. I was going to say. Then Whoa, move on to this. What a win that was. Move on to this fight. Go to Joe Lowes on Stevie Ray. Unbelievable, because for me he was behind me, and then all of a yeah, sudden yeah. he put the foot down, and the gas was on, and I'm thinking, here comes Stevie, choo choo, yeah. and he came absolutely up, schooled in the first round. He was absolutely schooled by Joe Lowes on absolutely just he just proved what a good a good ground game can can do for a fighter, and mm. he just completely and utterly dominated Stevie Ray. I don't think it was a ten eight round; it wasn't that wide. But my God, he, he you know he, he put it to him like I thought he was outstanding, and I, I thought, wow, Stevie Ray, mate, welcome to the big leagues. You know, this is the big boys, the lightweight division. My God, from round two onwards, it was a completely different story, completely different story. I don't know whether Lau's on. You know, they, they were saying in the corner, weren't they? To Stevie Ray's corner team, were saying he's only got one round in him, and they were absolutely bob on right. They've obviously done their research. They've obviously looked, looked at Joe Lauzon and seen that he's incredibly out you know incredibly versatile and strong and heavy a heavy grappler for the first round but after that if you can take him into the second and third round he tires obviously as his long career catches up with him and that's exactly what happened and you know kudos to Stevie Ray and his team from Scotland but that was a massive scalp on the back of you know the scalpy claim last time out as well you know to to get two wins back to back in the UFC over Ross Pearson and and Joe Lauzon man that did that's big that's big, and it'd be interesting now to see if if they torpedo him straight into a co-main in a, a UFC Glasgow, which is obviously planned for later in the summer. Because I think Stevie Ray could certainly pull in the crowd there, old uh, old Braveheart, <laughs> and he probably deserves it after two wins like that. What's next? Like the, Joe Lauzon and Ross Pearson were talking about guys that are gatekeepers to the top ten of the lightweight division. So you know where does that put Stevie Ray now? Where, you know what kind of opponent is he going to be facing next? It's going to be really interesting. Ally Quinted, of course, would have been an ideal opponent, but I ain't, we ain't going to see that guy fight anytime soon. <laughs> this is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store. Before we get back into uh, the world of UFC and the news regarding the fighters, um, one of our favourite. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch reality TV, yeah, don't don't be messing about watching some fake tan clown eat widgety grubs in the jungle or whatever. Don't be doing that, yeah? Get yourself into a little ultimate fighter. That's reality TV at the best. One, they yeah. talk the talk, and then two, they smack the bloody living daylights out of each other. Now, 
this is, this is a bit of a weird predicament for me, right? Because I'm the type of character that likes the series link, all the episodes, and then watch them as a bit of a binge when I get a moment to myself when my kids have gone to bed. So therefore, I've purposely not watched episode one. So I don't want you to go OTT on telling me what's happened too much, okay? Yeah. Um, for those that need to know a little bit more about it, the captains or the, the team leaders uh, this time round, one of our favourites in Cody, uh, Cody Nolove Garbrandt, uh, and then you've obviously got his former teammate. They love a narrative. The UFC. Yeah, yeah. TJ Dillashaw is the guy in the other uh, in the other corner. Did it live up to expectation? Episode one, mate. It did. Yeah, you know, I've been looking forward to this season for a while because that is a genuine. They do genuinely hate each other. Obviously, it dates back to when um, Uriah Faber coached alongside Conor McGregor. And uh, when they were, there's that famous scene where Conor McGregor's sitting there and he says, "Where's the snake? Where's the snake out your team?" And he's referring to the fact that Dillashaw was part of Uriah Faber's coaching team on that season, and so was Cody Garbrandt. And uh, he was referring to Dillashaw as being a snake and the snake in the grass. And you know what, Mystic Mac, as usual, com- proved completely right a couple of weeks later when T.J. Dillashaw, uh, you know, turns his back on Team Alpha Male, the team mm. that took him as a college wrestler and completely made him into a UFC champion. Uh, he ditched them to uh, to go with his coach Dwayne Ludwig and to to move to a different state and uh, and to flee that gym and you know it, that re- that's a real narrative there and it seems to be eating away Cody Garbrandt more than anything else. Cody Garbrandt has got a pure absolute disliking for TJ Dillashaw and what he done. And this first season, you know. It, it's cool because it's called Redemption and it's uh, it's for the welterweights and you've basically got like 16 welterweights or whatever it is. And these are all guys that have previously figured in tough seasons. So it goes as far back as Joe Stevenson's in there on Team Dillashaw. He's from Tough 2. And then you've got guys like um, uh, Mehdi Baghdad, who's on Team Garbrandt, who's from Tough 22, this being Tough 25. So it kind of spans the whole, you know, 25 episodes of, of, of Tough. They've picked guys from all over the place, which has made it quite cool because you've got veterans in there and you've got some young guys and you've got guys that won Tough but didn't really do anything afterwards. And you've got guys that got beat in the preliminary rounds of the original Tough season they were on and everything else. So the mix is cool, man, but it's the fact that Garbrandt and, and Dillashaw hate each other. Like, episode one, the standing backstage about to go out and, you know, do the ceremonial weigh-ins or whatever yeah. it was. Fucking Garbrandt just leaps at him, grabs him by the throat and just starts choking Dillashaw. <laughs> at one point, just completely lost his cool. Like I just love the fact that Garbrandt is... He's such an educated and skilled technician when it comes to the fight game. But outside of it, he's quite... You can tell he's from you know from the ghetto. He's from a rough neighbourhood. Yeah, he's proper. You know, he hasn't got a great vocab. He doesn't really know how to express himself with words properly. And DJ's, D, uh, TJ Dillashaw is kind of playing on that because he's a bit more... You know, he, he seems to be a little bit more educated. So he's kind of like letting his words letting his words fight for him. But Garbrandt just kind of get vexed at one point and just fucking... I'm just going to fucking choke you! It's like, it's like Homer choking and Bart on an episode of The Simpsons at one point. Fucking mental. But uh but yeah man, I am I've only watched the first episode myself so far, but I'm loving it. Like I, I this is a really good season because the good thing is I know all all 25 fighters as well, you know, all 16 fighters, because I'm familiar with them from the previous 24 seasons of Tough. So you remember them, you remember, remember the personalities a little bit, you remember them from competing in the UFC, some of them, you know, some of them I've actually had a, a little bit of a run in the UFC before they got cut. James Krause is actually in the UFC still. Yes, he's signed up to go on this season of Tough. So and that's what makes it a little bit different. These are not unknown guys. These are guys that you're necessarily familiar with. And then as usual, as Tough likes to do, 
first fight on episode one, first pick from one team against the last pick from the other team, get thrown together, and we get ourselves, you know, a nice big dramatic upset. So, class, man, I'm enjoying it. Would just you? ruined the first episode for you there, yeah. haven't I? Just told you, you fucking won. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. There's other stuff going on in the world of UFC, mixed martial arts. Um, I, I don't even know if we can class Ronda Rousey as any of that anymore, can we? I mean, she did fantastic stuff for the UFC, but I well, don't think we're going to... she's a pioneer, s- yes, yeah, a pioneer of women's MMA, so yeah, I guess we can. Are, are we going to see her back anytime soon? Definitely not, now that she's planning a wedding, that's been announced. Her and uh, Travis, they're, they're, they're getting stuck in. Nice, mate, eh? That's nice. I wonder if we'll ever see Travis fight again. Travis Brown, mm. on that point. He was good. He was decent last time out. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I still believe he's, you know, he's got the tools to get it done. But you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, being Mister Ronda Rousey is a full time job. <laughs> Congratulations, Ronda! If you are uh, listening to the show, which you're probably not because you don't obviously socialise uh, with anything UFC when you're not obviously in the in the octagon. We wish you all the best. Congratulations. Um, other news away from the octagon involving our boy Conor McGregor. We can't do a show without talking about Conor. We just can't. Oh, no. It just doesn't. Nope. It just doesn't exist. Um, one, he's got a new T-shirt brand uh, that is coming out. There you go. Get yourself on his Instagram. You'll be able to buy yourself a T-shirt and look like the champ. Um, and as well as that, this is good. This is good for crossing over from the world of UFC into the mainstream. Conor McGregor yeah. named amongst the 100 most influential people on the planet uh, by Times Magazine. That is mega, mate. Absolutely yeah. mega. This list comes out every single year. It's got Hollywood actors. It's got political figures. It's got people like Beyonce from the world of pop music. For McGregor to be on there in the top 100, most influential in the whole world as a UFC star, the signs are starting to look good for this sport crossing over into that mainstream. This is why WME, IMG, spent $4 billion on it. Yeah. However, quite surprising that in previous interviews with Conor, he said that they've not even had a conversation with him because he's the reason, mate, that it cost $4 billion, or one of the major reasons why it cost $4 yeah. billion. At least one of the billions is down to pure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, but it is good for crossover. I mean, you've been, you've been following this for such a long period of time. It's now starting to get into the casual fan. I mean, that's it. I mean, we do a lot on boxing, and I get so much abuse. And I'm sure you're the same. And there's other people that do what we do for a living in the world of journalism that get so much abuse when they make a comment on boxing from fans that are. I don't like using the term casual because I've no problem with the casual fan. I like it. I like when casual eyes come to it. There'll be tons of casual eyes on AJ Klitschko at the weekend because it's yeah. one of those events that crosses over. McGregor, and every Conor fight. Yeah, every that, well, that's fight the point. That I'm, that's it. That's, that's, the point where the, I'm that's where the money is. That's where the big money is. Absolutely. That's the point I'm making. Conor is that he does attract the casual fan. People are interested in Conor McGregor, you know? So therefore, with him being named on this list, you are now hopefully going to start to see more fans come in. As casuals to start with, because that's how we all start. We all start as a casual and then maybe think, oh, I'll have a look at this fight or I'll have a look at this fight and then become fans of it and really buy into the UFC. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what, <clears throat> that's how sports grow, really, you know. And it was a, there was a stage when GSP was doing that and he really grew the market in North America, certainly in Canada. And obviously Anderson Silva being pronounced the greatest of all time did wonders for when they moved into Brazil. Uh, you know, go to Sweden now and, and and pull out a UFC T-shirt and watch people flock because purely because of of uh, Alexander Gustafsson. And the only thing is, we Connor is such a big star, such a big star that we haven't really felt the benefits of his popularity in in the UK and in Ireland. You know, over here where he's actually from, 
because he's such a big star. He's 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 pushing a trail in the US. He's mm. he's like the marketable, the most marketable fighter they've got globally. And uh, you know that's why we've not really seen him over here doing Question of Sport or British TV or at much Irish TV because he's just wanted so much over there because he's literally raising the bar with everything he does. And um, you know whether he ends up fighting Tyron Woodley next or he ends up fighting Mayweather because it changes day by day. Um, whatever he does, it'll be the biggest thing that Fight Sports sees this year. You know, if he fights Tyron Woodley, it'll do bigger numbers than any fight across both sports, including AJ Klitschko this weekend. Mm. Um, and if he if he fights um, if he fights Floyd Mayweather or Woodley, you know, as I say, either one, whatever whatever Conor McGregor does this year will be the biggest pay per view event in fight sports, potentially all sports, um, because he is just such an absolute global superstar. I know now you can actually there's a there's a there's a website or a Twitter thing. I, I keep seeing people's Twitter feeds pop up with comments from Conor McGregor saying, "Oh, I wouldn't fight this guy; he's too tough for me." And I was like. Where are these coming from? And someone's actually set up a, a fake Twitter business where you get a tweet looks like it's from Conor McGregor, like addressed to you. They're everywhere. I was like, what the hell? He's, he's, he's such a big star. It's just unreal. It's mm. unreal how it's gone. And um, on that note, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm McGregor. The Mayweather fight, every time I every time I, I see something like this week, Owen Roddy, his striking coach, was like, yep, camp starts today, Mayweather. Let's bring it on, and then the following day, it's like, yeah, Woodley's uh, Woodley's in camp now. He's 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 got such and such a sparring guy in who's going to mimic McGregor. It's mm. like, who's who's pulling whose chain here? Like, what is exactly going on? I don't think anyone kind of knows at the moment. We've seen nothing of Mayweather in gym or, or talking about getting fit or anything else or starting to be starting to get in camp. Would he need to be in camp this soon? You know, obviously Mayweather was pushing for the fight to happen in June or July, so. You'd, you'd think if it was that soon, if it was in July, this they would have to be starting camp now if they're going to do it properly, a proper 12-week camp. Or is Conor already in camp? Are we going to see the fight later in the year now? It, it's it, it's kind of getting to the point now where you're just like, is this thing going to happen or not? And if it's not going to happen, cool. Let's all just move on with our lives. But it is going to happen. Just fucking tell us when it's going to happen, man. We want to know. It's like we've been told now Tyson Fury's definitely coming back. It's going to be on the Billy Joe Saunders undercard. We can kind of, right, okay, let's 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 kind of turn on our attention and, and focus on that. But when is the biggest fight of the year going to happen? Like this weekend is going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. We've gone crazy on it this week and we're so excited about it. More than any reason, if you haven't listened to any of the previous shows we've done this week, please tune into them because this fight could go either way. Could go either way. Yet we're, even more excited. I think the world populace is even more excited about Conor McGregor against Mayweather. Yet we know how that fight's going to go. It, it's it's crazy. I haven't spoke to anybody yet that actually genuinely believes Conor McGregor can be Floyd Mayweather. Yet the world will go bonkers for that fight. Yet AJ fights Klitschko this weekend, the biggest heavyweight fight we've seen in for, for, for I don't even know how long. And yet a true 50-50 fight in my eyes. Mm. And yet it won't attract anywhere near the kind of eyeballs that Connor will for fighting anybody. It's crazy. It is mad. The more I think about it, and the way that you've just eulogised over it then, it, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Because traditionally, 
heavyweights, whether they be in UFC or whether they be in boxing, that's the money division. That's the glamour division. That's where, I mean, you think about the great Muhammad Ali and all the guys that have followed him. You think of those type of guys, that's the glamour. That's where people attract to. That's where your Frank Sinatra's are ringside. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where all these type of characters are. And don't get me wrong. AJ versus Klitschko, there'll be some big players ringside. Of course there will. The, the, some Hollywood guys will be there. You'll have pop stars. You'll have all sorts of people there ringside wanting to watch this fight. But when Connor steps out, when Connor comes to the octagon, it's a it's weird. It really for a light guy, it's just really weird how he's captured the imagination of the whole fight world. That is now obviously getting him into the list of the top one hundred most influential people on the planet, um, along the lines of the likes of Barack Obama and people like that. You know, it's crazy. It's insane, and it just shows you what you know. Person, how far personality can go in this game. You know, it comes back to something that a we lesson re- to all fighters, re- man. Reiterate all the yeah, time. Yeah, a lesson you know, to everybody. Like, get yourself a personality. Be like Mike Platinum Perry. No, don't, I don't mean be a complete dick and get tattoos on your face uh, and your name on your back. But you know, let that inner inner character, that personality, go. There's still people now who I know, people who I know and know me, and say to me, oh. You had Tony Bellew on your show again this week. He's a dickhead. And I'm like, how many fucking times have I got to get him on the show to be Anthony Bellew, the nicest fella you'll ever meet, complete family man on a diamond, before you realise that there's an Anthony Bellew and then there's Tony Bomber Bellew and they're fucking completely different people. He plays a character to make money, to attract eyeballs, to make the sport interesting. And every fighter needs to do that. Just because Conor hasn't got a different kind of nickname, okay, Notorious, whatever else. Listen, when Conor comes away, when he's in heightened drinking shots through his eyeballs with a gang of scousers, I bet you he's a completely different person than when he is when he walks into a press conference with Nate Diaz in Las Vegas. In fact, I know that for a fact because the first time I met Conor was in a hotel in London and he was going into a lift and someone introduced us and he'd come running back out the lift to say hello to me because it was the first time we properly met and we organised an interview for later that day and he was the nicest, most cordial kid in the world. When we pressed play on the tape, he turned into this amazing interview and I was thinking, fuck me, this kid could do well. Like he's, He can really talk. And then obviously, you know, I predicted that one, surely, but who didn't? He's a fucking absolute... No one knew he was going to go this big or be this talented. Of course we didn't, but this is a kid that is just... Listen, if you, if you can build a persona, build a personality, build something other than just great technical skills, the world is your oyster. And as Tony Bell, you said, and it works in fight sports, whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA, if you come into this sport with an agenda and your agenda is just to make money, you're going to struggle. But if you come into this sport to be the best you can possibly be and develop that and work as hard outside of the ring or the cage as you do inside it, and that's, I mean, commit to your media commitments, push your own media, promote yourself, do radio interviews, get do magazine interviews, do as much TV work as you possibly can, develop you outside of it as well as inside of it, then you can make a fortune in this game. The problem is a lot of fighters don't see it as a necessity. They think they can just be the best fighter they can possibly be. But being the best fighter you'll possibly be, you're like Yol Romero, you're at the back of the fucking queue. If you want to be Michael Bisman with the belt around your waist, you've got to build a personality and do it. It's not, it's not rocket science. Look at Connor. Crazy. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Before we clear off, um, any thoughts on Frank Mir's two-year suspension? Yeah, disappointing, of course. You know, this is the guy that's been in the UFC. I think now he's the longest active UFC fighter. You know, he, he, he spent his entire career competing in the UFC. He's obviously also a massive personality. You know, anyone that knows Frank Mir on a personal level, uh, away from the fight game. Do you know his nickname's Tackleberry? No. 
Frank Mir goes by the nickname Tackleberry. And the reason being is he's always packing heat. This is a guy that <laughs> any time of the day, he is fully loaded with at least three or four firearms. That's legit. No shit. Wow. The guy is always carrying heat. He's literally obsessed with guns and knives and everything else. It's crazy. Yet him and his wife, his wife manages him. Two of the most lovely people you'll ever meet. You know, I've had the pleasure of being in their company before. Absolutely lovely people. Frank Mir can't do enough for you. Um, And it's a shame, really, because I feel that's just going to tarnish him a little bit now. Obviously, a former UFC heavyweight champion kind of tarnishes his career slightly. But then again, you know what? This is not his era. His era was the the last generation, do you know what I mean? So, And we know the last generation, most of those guys were juiced up to the eyeballs anyway. So, you know, really should we be surprised that he spent so many, all these years competing in the UFC at the highest level? He's He's been through that era where drug testing wasn't, was, wasn't, was what it is now. Um, so should we really be surprised and should we really vilify him for it? I don't know. I, it, it's hard for me because I, I know Frank on a personal level. I know he's a really nice guy and I know he he wouldn't have done it to, to try and have vindictively to try and hurt anybody. He's obviously just done it to try and recover a little bit quicker because he's a little bit old now and everything else. And I don't know. I feel like a bit of a hypocrite now because we've jumped all over Vita Belfort on this show for being a cheating bastard. <laughs> so to now kind of give Frank a pass is, is a little bit naughty. But you know what? I like the guy, so he gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. It's our show. We can do what we want, man. We can do what yeah, we exactly. want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening to today's show. Hope you've enjoyed Scott it. Scott Askham, quick, quick mention. Oh, yeah, Scott yeah, yeah. Askham. Yeah, yeah. Go friend on. of the show. We've had him on. We've had him on Fight Disciples before. Obviously, massively disappointing news this week uh, from personal level to hear that Scott has been cut from the UFC. But, you know, thankfully, he, he released a statement and he basically said in that statement that he's about to have a, a second child. And you know what? This isn't the end for him. There's mm. options out there for him. And there is, you know, that. That's the beauty of mixed martial arts in 2017. There is other games out there. There is other promotions out there where you can earn money and either build your way up and, and, and hopefully get back into the UFC one day or even just go out and pursue a career with a different promotion. You know, there's, there's other people out there like Bama, like like Cage Warriors and, of course, like uh, Bellator that are paying money, that people are able to compete full-time in mixed martial arts. So I don't think Scott will be scored of options. And to be honest with you, we knew, didn't we? we? When we headed into that UFC London card in yeah. March, when he was fighting Bradley Scott, we said on the show, this is a loser-leaves town job. You know, the, the, whoever loses this fight goes out. And it, it's taken them a long time to cut him, but I think because it was a good fight, it was a split decision with the win for Bradley Scott. I think Bradley Scott, I th- you know, he, he deserved the decision. It, it went the right way. But the fact that it was so close, I kind of thought, you know what, maybe Scott might get a stay of execution there. Maybe he might get another opportunity to prove himself. But listen, this is a... As we know, have we found out since they did the IMG takeover, this is the UFC. It, mm, mm, on a huge scale, this is a promotion in transition right now. Um, they, they're still kind of sucking themselves into a little inner core. The London office is closed now. They've they've got a they've now got a tiny satellite office at the IM, near the IMG studios out in the burbs somewhere. They're not even in London city centre anymore. You know they haven't even got district offices around the world. The UFC is really compressed at the moment. Hopefully. Uh, later this year or early next year we will see that explosion that I've been talking about that massive recruitment drive that I think is key to making 4 billion into 8 billion but right now Scott has become a little bit of a a little bit of a victim of this in a in a like uh, growth if you like or the, the 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 way they've compressed the entire business and listen the kid's talented as we know that he'll always have that sensational walk away KO that we celebrated so much 
and uh, will follow his career with great interest, whatever he plans to do. No, absolutely. And just on that as well, uh, we wish Tom Breeze all the best. He's done his ACL, he's, he's buggered his knee up, so all the best, yeah, mate. Poor get Tom. yourself fingers nice crossed. And yeah. And get yourself back uh, doing your thing. Um, thank you so much for uh, downloading today's show. It's been an absolute pleasure once again being in your company. We've done five shows this week. There's another one coming for you tomorrow morning. It's a little bit different. Uh, away from the world of UFC, obviously, it'll be back onto the world of boxing, catering for those that are getting a little bit giddy about AJ uh, versus Klitschko. And we're going to be looking back at some of the biggest heavyweight events. Not best fights, not best um, uh, fighters or anything like that. Events, because let's be honest, 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium is an event on Saturday evening. And we are going to be talking about the ones that hold prominent in our mind on tomorrow's show. So make sure you subscribe. Go to our website, fightdisciples.com. Everything's there for you. You can listen via the website or you can listen via iTunes. Just have a look for us, Fight Disciples. If you like what we do, please write us a little five-star review. That'll do us the world of good when it comes to the uh, iTunes chart. And you can also keep up to date with all our social media this week as we head to Wembley at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.